This week our lectionary leads us to these Bible verses about the healing that God can provide to all of us. And many times in our lives we often do things our very own way, and many times those ways just simply don't work. And we are often reminded that when our ways don't work, that we need to turn back to God and search Him and seek out for Him again. The Bible verse that I'll be focusing on this week is from 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 to verse 14 from the Old Testament uh, scripture reading uh, today. It's about a man by the name of Naaman. The Bible teaches us and it tells us that Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. Now the Arameans, they were an ancient group of people who lived in the region that is now modern-day Syria. And so they were northeast of Israel at that time. And, you know, before the Greek became the dominant language throughout the world, before Greek, the Greek language became the dominant language through the conquest of Alexander the Great, Aramaic was the dominant language for about 400 years prior to that. And so the Jewish people during Jesus' time, that was the language that they spoke, was Aramaic. As we, as we know, part of the Old Testament, which is the parts of Israel, along with parts of Daniel, was written in that language, was written in the Aramaic language. And the Israelites and the Arameans, they were always, you know, when, when, the, when, the, when history began with Israelites, they were very good friends. We see that in the story of Abraham, that Abraham actually sent out his people to sought for a wife for Isaac among the Arameans. And then when we look at the story of Jacob during Jacob's time, we saw that Jacob's father-in-law was an Aramean. And so the Arameans and the Israelites at the beginning of their history, they were very close friends and allies of one another. But as time passed on, we see that they started to become enemies. And especially a thousand years later, after the time of Abraham, which King David became the king, we see that they fought against each other at that time. The Arameans, they fought against King David and his and the Israelites at that time. They also fought against the Israelites during the time of King Ahab's, uh, when King Ahab was the king. They also fought when King Joram was the king. They also fought when King Joash, Joash was the king. And finally, when Jerusalem fell, when Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians, it was the Arameans who were the allies of the Babylonians at that time. And so we see, so we see that even though they started out as allies and they started out as friends, that as we come to Naaman's time, Israel and, and Aram, they were enemies. They were enemies towards each other. They didn't like each other at all. And as we look at Naaman's life, we see this about Naaman's life, that he was a very, very successful man. He was a man with great achievements within his, his country. He was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. They don't say what the king's name is, but he is, the, he is, uh, Naaman is the commander of the army of the king of Aram. And we also see that he was someone who was highly regarded by the king of Aram. When he wanted to go to Israel to be, uh, to be healed, he went to the king first. He went to the king first to ask for a letter of recommendation. And the let, and the king was willing to write a letter to provide this letter for Naaman to be able to go to the king of Israel to seek this healing. And we have to think about this, that as he was going, this, of course, he's going into enemy territory as he was seeking for this 
healing of his own leprosy. We see that Naaman was extremely, extremely wealthy. He was a man of great wealth. We see the gift that he prepared for the king of Israel. It says here in, the, in these texts that he, can, that he prepared 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. It is estimated by many uh, biblical scholars that this is equivalent to about $1.2 million in our days. And so this was the gift that he was preparing to give to the king so that he can be healed from his leprosy. It's a tremendous, tremendous amount of money. It shows us the desperation that he was in. And of course, having leprosy, he was in a state of tremendous uh, desperation because at that time there was no cure for it. There's no cure at all for leprosy. You know, despite all of these achievements that we see in his life, all these things that he's been able to do in his life, that one very little, that one thing, that one thing, that one condition, that one health issue, that one health issue of leprosy was the one thing that troubled him more than anything else. It just troubled him so much. You know, in, in the, if we look at the history of the Israelites, we will see that if someone had leprosy, they would take that person, they would seclude that person, send that person out to live by themselves, would not allow that person to come live among the population anymore. Even in our home culture, if someone was to have leprosy in, 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 a fam- in the family, we would not allow any of our children to marry anybody from that family anymore. And so we see that leprosy is something that is very, very serious, that many different cultures takes this to such a serious, serious point. And the reason for that is because leprosy, it often starts out as, you know, these small red spots on our body. And after a while, these red, you know, these red spots, they become bigger and bigger, and it starts to turn white with a scaly appearance to it. And pretty soon, pretty soon, the spots spread over the whole body, and then our hair began to fall out. First from the head, and they say even from the eyebrows. And as things get worse, fingernails and toenails starts to become loose. They start to rot, and they eventually fall off. The joints of fingers and toes began to rot and fall off piece by piece. The gums begin to shrink and can't hold on to the teeth anymore, so the teeth begin to fall out. And this disease keeps eating away at the flesh, even at the face, until the nose, the face, and even the eyes all rot away, and the person dies. And so leprosy, of course, leprosy is something that is tremendously serious. It is a serious, serious condition that Naaman had at this time. And you know, many times in all the accomplishments that we have, we often have that one issue. That one issue that is always troubling us. Many times in all the achievements that we have, we often have that one issue that is constantly just tearing at our hearts, that's discouraging us, makes it hard for us to move forward. For some of us, it may be an illness, just like what Naaman had at his, during his time. For others, it may be a disability issue of some sort in our own lives that's keeping us from being able to live our life to the fullest potential that we want to be able to live our life to. Some of us, it can just simply be our social status. As we see Jesus Christ in the New Testament, as we see that the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, people of great status at his time, they were constantly mocking Jesus Christ because he was simply, to them, he was simply just a carpenter's son. 
And so they were constantly mocking his position in society. So for some of us, it can be this social status that we have that's keeping us away from being able to fully experience experience God in our own lives. For some of us, it can be our past. Some of us, it may be our past that's haunting us. Things that we've done in the past that we regret, things that we've done in the past that we no longer want to be able to, we no longer want to think about it, but it constantly just haunts us today in our own lives. And of course, for Naaman, it was his leprosy. It was his leprosy that he, despite all the achievements that we, he had in his life, it was that one thing. It was that one thing that kept him from being able to just live his life to the fullest of the, of his potential. But yet, one thing we almost, we always need to remember that we must not let this one issue in our life distract us from faith in God. Because just as God used Naaman's leprosy to call Naaman to him, God can use that one issue in our life, that one issue in our life to call us to God. God can use that one issue in our life, whatever it may be. It may be an illness, like I said. It may be our struggle with our past. It may be our disability. It may be an illness. Whatever it is in our life, that one issue that's keeping us down, God can use that very one issue to bring us closer to God. Just as God used leprosy, Naaman's condition with leprosy, to bring him closer to God. We also saw, we also see in the life of Paul, as Paul was serving God for all those years, and yet Paul had an illness with him. An illness in which he described in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 as a thorn in my flesh. A thorn in my flesh. And God, unlike Naaman, where God actually healed Naaman, with Paul, God never healed Paul from his thorn in the flesh. God allowed that, that, that illness to continue to be with Paul throughout Paul's life, throughout Paul's ministry. That's one of the reasons why I often tell us that, you know what, just because you have faith, it doesn't mean that God is always going to heal you. Because there are times when men, such as the Apostle Paul, who has tremendous faith in the Lord, and God chose not to heal him from his illness. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, that three times I pleaded with God, but God says, my grace is simply enough. My grace is simply enough. And Paul and God never healed Paul from that. But Paul realized that it was in that illness. It was in that illness that allowed Paul to continue, continue to have faith in God. It is in that illness that allowed Paul to continue to be, to live a life dependent upon God. And so instead of becoming upset with that, Paul turned around and he said he's grateful for it. He's grateful for it. Even though he pleaded with God and God did not take it away, but he's grateful for it. He's able to boast in his weakness because it is through that weakness that allowed him to de- be dependent upon God, that allowed him to remember God in his life. And so that one thing in our life, that one thing in our life that often keeps us away, that we often think that may keep us away from experiencing God, don't let it, don't let it be the, the thing to, to distract you from your journey with God, from your walk with God, because it is in that one thing that God may lead you to him. The thing that we see here with Naaman is that God, that God also reached out to Naaman through a slave girl. Through a slave girl. Through a slave girl who was a prisoner of war. And this slave girl, this slave girl was also from the, from the nation of Israel. 
She was also an Israelite. In other words, she was an enemy of Naaman. She was an enemy of Naaman. If we read here, it says here in verse 2, Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. So they went out and they, they captured this young girl. And then they made this girl into a servant of Naaman's wife. And she served Naaman's wife. And it was through this young girl, through this young girl who was a slave girl, that the message of God came to Naaman. It continues and it says, she referring to this young slave girl, she said to her mistress, referring to Naaman's wife, if only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So I want us to think about this, how, how God oftentimes worked in such mysterious ways. That the word of God, that the message of God came to Naaman through a channel, through an avenue in which Naaman really never thought about. Came through a slave girl. Imagine that. Here you are, a highly someone who's highly achieved so many things in your own culture. Someone who's highly respected by even the king of your own country. And yet here comes this slave girl bringing the message of healing, bringing the message of God to you. Fortunately, Naaman was humble enough to listen to that slave girl. You know, there's so much things that we can t- talk in regards to the slave girl. You know, she, she could have been someone, she, you know, if, if you and I, if we were ever captured and, you know, made into slaves, I don't think we want to heal our master, right? But this slave girl, even in her condition, she was willing to go to her master and say, I, I, I want to share this good news with you. I want to bring this good news to you. But, you know, so if, if we think about the slave girl, we can see it from that perspective. But today, what, what we're going to do is we're going to focus more on Naaman. We're going to focus more on Naaman. We're going to focus on how he paid attention to God, how he heard the message of God from someone whom to him was very insignificant. And many times that's how God is going to reach out to us. Many times that's how God is going to reach out to us. He's going to reach out to us through someone that we've many times in our lives we may consider to be of no importance to us at all. That person can be that homeless person who's sitting at the gas station every single day that, that when you drive by and he's always coming and begging you for money, right? I hate it when that happens. It's quite annoying. A lot of times when you see that person coming, you just rush into your car and just close the door hoping that person doesn't come and talk to you. Or you run into the store. Sometimes I run into the store just so they won't come talk to you. But we have to realize and we have to always pay attention to God because God may be speaking to us through these people, people who we may see as absolutely insignificant in our own lives. It can be that immigrant next door to us, that immigrant person who speaks no English at all, who can't communicate to us at all. Maybe God is speaking to us through that person. It can be that white person or that Anglo person at work in which we are absolutely convinced that that person might be a racist towards us. God may be speaking through that person to us. We have to learn to pay attention to the way that God speaks to us. It may be that homosexual person. That homosexual person that we disagree with his or her sexual preference. Maybe God is using that person to speak to us and we need to pay attention. Maybe God is communicating His will. Maybe He's communicating His message 
to us through that person. It may be that person that we, that, that you call a bigot because he or, or he or she still holds on to the view of the biblical traditional marriage. It might be that person that God is using to speak to you about the will of God. It can be anybody. It can be a child. It can be a child, a four or five year old child who speaks the will of God to you, that God is using them to speak the will of God, to share the message of God to you. So we have to be like Naaman. We have to pay attention. Naaman could have just excused this lady and said, you know what? She's just a slave girl. Not only that, she's also someone, someone that's part of uh, my enemies. So Naaman could have just excused her. But Naaman chose to listen to her, despite who she was and the society in which Naaman was growing up in. And so sometimes God can even reach out to us through the people that we hate the most, through our enemies, through our, op- through our own opponents. And so we need to continue to, to just listen to how God communicates his will to us. And then finally, we come to see Naaman's encounter with Elisha, Elisha. We finally come to see Naaman's encounter with Elisha. And at this encounter, when he first encountered Elisha, I'm going to skip, I'm going to skip the part in which, in which Naaman came, uh, encountered the king. We don't have time, so I'm going to skip that part. To go to the part in which Naaman encounters Elisha. And we see that at first, Naaman was very angry. Naaman was very angry because he was expecting a different kind of experience. This is what he says. He says, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. So this is the experience that Naaman was expecting as he was approaching Elisha, the prophet of God. So he was expecting a different experience. And what he actually received was something totally unlike what he was expecting. Instead, he was told to go and just wash himself and Elisha didn't even come out. Elisha just sent a messenger out to tell him to just go and wash himself in the Jordan River. And that even offended him some more. Because he's saying, you know what, what's wrong with my country, right? Oh, I I have all these rivers in my country that I can just go in there and wash myself in, in, in the rivers of my country. Why do I need to come here and wash myself in the Jordan River, in the river of the people of Israel? And so he even became offended by that. But yet in his offense, and even though he was expecting a different experience, what we find out towards the end is that finally Naaman was able to humble himself. He was willing to humble himself. He was willing to comply. And he was willing to wash himself in this Jordan River. And he was healed. He was healed. And so I I want us to understand one thing, that many times in our lives we, we expect things to go our way. Many times in our life, we like to do things our own ways. We expect our own, you know, we have certain expectations. We have certain experience that we want to have. And many times it just doesn't work. Many times our ways just don't work. Maybe in all your personal life, maybe in your marriage, throughout your marriage, maybe you've been you know, living your life a certain way and it hasn't worked. Maybe in your job. Maybe you've been living, you, maybe you've been approaching your job in a certain way for all those years, and maybe it doesn't work. Maybe it's your faith in God. Maybe it's your church. Maybe it's the denomination. Maybe it's the country. Whatever it is. Maybe we've been going at things our own way for so long, and it doesn't work. 
And one of the things we need to realize is just what Naaman realized, is that when our ways don't work, yes, we can be angry over it. Yes, we may even be offended over it. But in the end, we need to turn to God. We need to turn to God to seek His way, to seek His wisdom. And so three things I want to end with today. Number one, don't let your troubles distract you from having faith in God. Don't ever let anything, any issues in your life distract you from having faith in God. Number two, learn to listen to God's voice in all different places. Just learn to listen to God's voice in all different places because it may come from the most, the, the most unexpected place in your own life. It may come from the most insignificant people in your own life. It may even come from those that you, that, that you hate. It may even come from those who you consider your enemies. But God works in mysterious ways. So always pay attention to God's voice in all different places. And, and number three, surrender your ways to God. Surrender your ways to God. Follow Him. And you too will be healed. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for just leading us. Many times in our own, own lives, we've chosen to just go our own ways. And many times those ways just simply don't work. Father, we ask that you encourage us and open up our hearts to be able to seek after your ways and to be able to turn to you. So we lift everyone up to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.